Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel on Sports Radio 70 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago's sports station. Welcome back in on 670 The Score. It's Inside the Clubhouse. I'm Matt Spiegel. He is Bruce Levine. And our next guest joins us on the Alpamonte Ford Hotline, Alpamonte Ford in Melrose Park. Entering his 19th season as the major league pitching coach and a million years with the Chicago White Sox, our friend Don Cooper, nice enough to take some time out on a Saturday morning to join us on the inside the clubhouse. Coop, how are you holding up? I'm holding up fine, Bruce. You know, listen, you know, when we left spring training, the first three days, uh, you know, when I got home, you weren't sure what you were doing, but then, our marching orders were given. Stay indoors, stay six feet away, wash your hands. You know, I, I, I've been around my house a lot. Uh, I, I've never seen in 42 spring trains, I've been in pro ball 42 years, I've never seen any of the houses I've lived in and or owned um, at this time of the year, and there's something real nice about that. Um, amidst, obviously, a lot of stuff going on and some problems we've got going on with the virus. Coop, who do you who do you talk to about pitching? Whose mechanics do you fix right now? I mean, my God, forty-two mm-hmm. years. You you, you, you uh, turn. Well, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Yesterday, I went out to a place. I live in Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, you know, yesterday I went to a high school in Leapers Fork, about forty minutes away. A friend of mine has a high school program. We went out there and worked with eight or nine pitchers and. Uh, two catchers, and we kept our distance. You know, um, we're, we were outside. And it's one of the first times I've been out that long here. You know, I'll go to the store every once in a while, but my wife and daughter don't let me go because, you know, I'm a little bit higher candidate, uh, uh, you know, being a little older uh, mm-hmm. to, to, to contract it. So, my, you know, we've been doing stuff like that. But yesterday I got my baseball fix in. I talked to a lot of people over the phone a lot. 
You know, I certainly know what all of our pitchers are doing and where they're at. And, you know, and, and I'm just starting to get the feeling, and it started yesterday, maybe it was the beautiful ride to where I went to that high school. And I just got the feeling we're creeping closer to getting something going. I, you know, that's just me talking. I have no inside information. I, I got a bag packed upstairs. If somebody calls me 10 minutes from now, I can be wherever in five hours. You know, I'm ready to go, you know. But, you know, until then, I'll deal with what's thrown my way, which is, you know, the virus. I'll I'll deal with it and live my life. Um, You know, that's got – I hate to put it this way, but, you know, a lot of things come our way in life, a lot of different things. Heck, we we had the the swine flu. We had SARS. We had a lot of different things. We had 9-11. We had the world wars. All of those things, and you know, it takes some time, but you get through it. We'll get through this. My feet, my face is telling me it's gonna, it's gonna come to an end at some point. Uh, and until then, we just gotta live. Uh, and and that's kind of my where my head's at. The one and only Don Cooper joining us on Inside the Clubhouse for a few more minutes on a Saturday morning. Beautiful here. I'm hoping it's I'll, nice. I'll spend, in, I'll spend yeah. as long as you want, Bruce, because right. <laughs> this, is my, this is my baseball fix. You know, we could talk about anything you want. I'm sitting in my backyard right now, um, and I'm loving it. It's a beautiful day, um, and I, I, I look forward to talking ball. This, this is going to be my fix of the day. Yeah, and ours too. We appreciate it. Thank you, Coop. Uh, well, I blew you off. So- last time I blew you off, Bruce, I didn't blow you off intentionally. I didn't. Uh, it was actually an oversight, um, and I feel like I owe you one because I, you know, I told you I was going to do something a while back, and it just didn't come, didn't happen, and so I'm ready to go if you are. Sounds great. Uh, let's let's talk about a possible silver lining to this for the White Sox in particular, and that's the uh, the the progress of uh, Michael Kopech and Carlos Rodon. Let's let's start with Kopech and the. Tell us exactly what the plan was coming out of spring training with with only, you know, there was only like 13 days left before the season was supposed to start. What was where was Michael Kopech at in your mind at that point? Michael, Michael Kopech, when I saw him in spring training, was one of the best, if not the best guy we had at that time throwing the baseball. Um, But with that being said, he was still completing his rehabilitation progress. Well, I'm going to encapsulate this by saying Rodon, Kopech, um, Dane Dunning, Dane, Lambert, a Burr, and, and there's a guy or two I'm probably forgetting that were on the injured list that now, you know, they, they don't lose anything. Everybody's on the uh, on do not play list now. But they're, they, they might be ready to go when, if and when we decide, to, the major league decides to open this up. Kopech he was throwing the ball very well. Carlos was in a good place in climbing. He was behind Kopech because his surgery was, it was later. Um, you know, so those guys get a bonus, I think, the injured guys. You know, I, I, my mind turns to the minor leaguers that, one, that's a year of development mm-hmm. that, and playing and experiencing and all of that stuff that's, that's washed away. Um, you know, and I'm also thinking at some point, when we do start, uh, the rosters are going to have to be increased. So that may be opportunity for some other guys. So different guy, it affects different people different ways. How I'm disappointed 
is because this was our year to come out of the doldrums uh, that we've been in during a, a rebuild, you know? And, and we all know what the rebuild was. It was hard. Uh, enough said about that. We were looking forward to the, the big step forward this year in being a force in uh, the American League Central, the American League, and baseball overall, our climb there. You know, guys like Cease, I'll give Dylan Cease, a, 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 and look, I'll talk about three guys. Dylan Cease, he's got like 12 starts in the big league. So this year was a big year for him to make his step forward. You know, for, for Lucas Giolito to back up his real good year with another good one. For uh, Lopez to be a lot more consistent than we saw you the year before, to make that adjustment. So these, th- those are all put on hold. You know, which is disappointing. But the big disappointing thing is I was looking forward to a lot more wins, you mm. know, because that's what we haven't been getting. And uh, that's what Rick, Kenny, and Jerry, you know, went out there and acquired many people to strengthen us. Hey, Coop, I think this whole town and really the whole baseball world was looking forward to seeing the White Sox and, and uh, you know, having a better year and being ready to, to take a step. And you know what? If there is a short season, if you guys were to come back and play 80 games or 100 games, um, I really think that your club could benefit more than a lot of other clubs out there because you're young, you're energetic, you got a lot of young pitching arms you could throw, might have to do two or three starters during the course of a single game, at least early to get going. I think you guys could really benefit if it is a short season from the energy and the, and the talent you have on this team. Matt, I hope you're, I hope you're right. I do believe we're going to play. I don't know what type of season. I, again, I'm sitting here saying, give me the opening day start. Give me uh, the, the date. Give me the date. I, we got to go to spring, tra- spring training and restart that. And then let me see the schedule. I hope you're right with your evaluation that, that it's a benefit to us, you know, but uh, listen, the game still got to be played. Uh, that, this, that's right now. It's speculation and hope um, and hope isn't a plan. Coop, uh, when let's take uh, the hypothesis a step further. I agree with you that uh, if there is baseball this year, there will be expanded rosters. And with expanded rosters will come more pitchers uh, to make sure that we protect that very valuable part of Major League Baseball teams that is uh, so uh, tentative sometimes. Do you envision envision a possibility with uh, starting pitchers of uh, teams going more possibly to an opener if you have expanded rosters with more pitchers? You know, my mind hasn't gone much to that, Bruce. Certainly it it doesn't go to the opener a lot. Uh, But what some of the things, and again, I'm just kicking a few things around in my Mm -hmm. mind. I ain't sitting around all day thinking about this. I'm waiting for somebody to give me direction. But what my mind has crept to is, hmm, Depending on what the schedule looks like, are there double headers and things like that? Maybe we go to a four-man. You know, maybe we maybe we do that, or maybe we have two guys. Let's say, you know, I'm getting creative here, and and and, and who knows if any of this is even close to maybe realistic. Maybe we have two guys in our rotation that we hey, you go pitch every five days. We try to work the other three around them depending on how much we can get them stretched out in the spring training that we're given. 
Mm-hmm. You know, how many – we're going to restart spring training, right? I mean, and, and you mentioned injuries, and that's certainly the biggest uh, bugaboo, you know, and worry and concern. Nobody wants to get people hurt because we're, you know, rushing a process to get restarted and get, and get uh, innings and pitches under their belt, you know? Um, so it, it depends on how, many, how much time in spring training we're given and how far we can get along. Can we get them to six, seven innings again? Can we get them to 70 pitches? You know, we were right in the, in the swing of things out there. You know, we, we were going four or five innings. So yeah. we were a whole lot closer to starting than we were stopping. Um, so, and you know, your guys were looking good, Coop. Your guys were looking factors. good. Yep. You know, listen. I don't say stuff if I don't mean it. If I think something sucks, I'll tell you it sucks. Um, I was very happy with what I saw from everybody out there, you know, um, as far as strike stuff, preparation, work, focus, you know. It was all going in a really, really good direction for all of the guys. You know, and listen – we were all primed, like I said a minute ago, about we were looking forward to making the step forward, you know, and, 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 and making improvements in like a season. And the guys I've mentioned, and we were looking to win. So all of that w- was wrapped up into our preparation, you know, all of that excitement, enthusiasm that we had as a group, individually and collectively. And, and now we're going to have to get that going again. But that's where what Matt was saying a minute ago could come in, that young, youthful enthusiasm. Let's get it started, boys. Let's go play. Let's go show them what we got. He's you know, Don that's Cooper. Uh, yep. That's it. He's Don Cooper. He's one of a kind, and he's right here on Inside the Clubhouse. Uh, yeah, how, dare I, how dare I cut you off? Forget in the middle there, Coop. My God, it's, it's enjoyable to hear you roll. Um, I, I only wish I had a glass of Don Cooper nay. Right here along with us. To, to... I've got some bottles in my house as relics. <laughs> tastier, tastier than most people remember the Don Cooper name. Hey, Coop, um, I've absolutely loved hearing you talk about the technology, like the Rapsodo and, and, and the Edgertronic, and all this stuff that the White Sox now have, because I feel like you and, and a lot of others have learned it's it's just a new way to talk about some old stuff that you've been trying to teach forever. A lot of it is right, like I, I like spin axis. You used to talk about being on top you're, of the baseball. You're accurate. You're right? accurate in what you're accurate in what you're saying, but they're tools. They're yeah. tools now to help kids, help kids in a different way maybe than we've been doing in the past. A lot of the kids now are coming through high school and, co- and more importantly, college programs that are wrapped up around the numbers and trying to seek the numbers, you know, the spin rate, the horizontal, all of that. Uh, but, but they, you know, the high-speed camera, a tool, you know, and I said this before in the past, you know, it, it, I, I'd like to think I'm, I'm a teacher, but I'm not teaching history, math, or English. I, I, I'm teaching pitching. So to have all of the tools at my disposal, you know, it's going to help me reach different students that some students get reached different ways than others, you know. And then there's the old way, you know, and it's the best way. It's How do you learn things? It's listening, watching, and doing. So if I can back something up, let's say, with a video shot 
uh, of a picture. I'll give you an example of uh, Dylan Cease's curveball. When he throws it really good, his hand position at release, you know, so he can have that visual picture and try to uh, reproduce that time and time again. So it, I'm cool with it all. There was some kind of stuff going on that saying that we weren't into it. We didn't like it. We were too old school. You know, listen, we we can't let new newfound stuff get in the way of, you know, it, it, we got to let newfound stuff come out. 20 years ago, lifting weights wasn't good. You know, so mm-hmm. I, I'm open to anything. I always have been. And now we have the numbers, and we have them like everybody else. So let's put that uh, to bed. Coop, uh, we're going to have uh, Terry Francona on uh, after you get off uh, for our last 15 or 20 minutes. He's going to talk a little bit about Michael Jordan and his uh, time managing him as well as the Indians in his career. But uh, what what are your recollections of uh, of Michael in the organization when you were a minor league pitching coach? And uh, did you have any uh, crossover uh, impact or, or conversations with Michael yes, when you yeah. were coming up? We did. Uh, well, first of all, I, when you mentioned Tito, uh, I think he's a Hall of Fame manager. I'll say that. Hall of Fame guy. I love his sense of humor. He was with us for a handful of more years, and then he went on to uh, become that um, Hall of Fame manager. But – Michael came to Florida, and I was living in Sarasota. I was in my first – I was living – I'm divorced. I was divorced. So I, my ex-wife has my house in Florida now. But <laughs> I was in that house at the time, and we got a call saying, hey, uh, come down and work out Jordan. You know, in other words, throwing batting crack. We did it all, you know, for two days. Day three – and I, I'm going to get a couple stories. Day three, there was a helicopter fl- flying over the field. Because they knew he was in town, uh, but we, we, myself and Tommy Thompson were working him out, and he was trying to steal bases on us, and we were throwing him out left and right. But he wanted he he liked the challenge. He said, "I can steal a bag on you." I was slide stepping, I was slide stepping like a champ. There was no way he could get the second base safe, and, and holding the runner. Anyway, we threw him out, but the bet was. We'd get his Lamborghini for the night, and he could get Tommy's beat-up red old Toyota if we threw him out. <laughs> and, and we did throw him out. Another thing I remember, lots of ping pong. Um, day two, we, we, right after the first day, we go back in the clubhouse, and I'm playing ping pong with Michael Jordan, and I'm talking trash. And I whipped his ass. <laughs> I went, All right, he came back. He came back looking for me every day until he was beating me. Uh, he's tremendous, tremendous wingspan. But one of his comments was after we, after we went out and played baseball, we come inside, you know, uh, uh, we grab something to drink or play a ping pong. He goes, Hey, this is like the boys club. You know, uh, he, he was having fun. Uh, so I certainly remember that. And if you want to Google something up, somebody, I didn't even notice existed until about a week ago. But I guess with everybody's spare time, they're doing a lot of different things that they wouldn't get around to normally doing. Somebody, Robin Ventura playing uh, Michael Jordan in, te- in ping pong on Google. I, I Googled it up, and, and, and myself and a bunch of other guys are in it. I think White Sox fans would enjoy it. Uh, so if you Google that up or YouTube it up, you know, I, I know I'm talking trash to them at the end. Uh, but what a, the thing I came away with, 
what a competitive guy. And then I'm seeing, you know, the, the last dance and loving the heck out of that because I know a lot of people in it, so it makes it even more interesting. Uh, but the, the, the Bulls and, and the powerhouse that they were, led by Jordan and, and that competitiveness, wow, it's, it's just an impressive series, and I'm looking forward to tomorrow night on top of it. Uh, a tremendously – I've never been around a more competitive guy. He wanted to, he wanted to play and bet on anything. He bet on the family feud if it was on TV. (laughs) Hey, Coop, I just found Ventura and Jordan playing ping pong, and I'm going to tweet it out to our listeners in a matter of months. That's a good thing. I think the the White Sox fans might get a kick out of it. I know I'm in the last 20 seconds or 30 seconds, but talking stuff with some other people that I recognize. You know, that's a long time ago. So seeing faces of that, I found it interesting and cool. So maybe somebody else will. Another thing that I don't watch this, you know, I, I know we're rebroadcasting or people in town are rebroadcasting a lot of the games from the 2005 season. I've seen zero games of that. The only game I've seen big pieces of was Burley's perfect game. Um, you know, I, I, and I've never even seen the 05, you know, uh, whatever you call it, the CD that they made of the champion. I've seen bits and pieces I'm figuring, God forbid, the next pandemic or when I'm retired, that's when I'll sit back and look at all of those games and, and really enjoy them then. Because you get to see a lot of other you know, people that have come through your life and, and certainly the, a great, memorable season. I know on Twitter, I read stuff. I, I only reply here and there. But I see the White Sox 05 being covered at nauseam, really. And it's making me think in five years when we have our 20th reunion, uh, heck, we're going to come and have to invite, invent some more new stories. Absolutely. <laughs> hey, hey, Coop. Coop uh, go ahead, Bruce. Yeah, Matt and I really appreciate you uh, taking some time out today. 20 minutes of joy for us and great baseball talk. You got our juices going. I'm sure the listeners feel the same way. So thanks for adding some energy and some positivity to our show and to uh, the Chicagoland area today. You know, listen, I'm hoping that what you, the the positivity, got to have it, man. There's no other way to approach anything. Uh, Miss you guys. See you soon. All right. Thanks, Coop. That is the one and only Don Cooper, the pitching coach of the Chicago White Sox and a guy made for sports talk radio like we have on the score. So we were happy to bring him to you as well. Terry Francona will also be joining us at the bottom of the order of uh, the hour rather to talk a little bit about managing Michael Jordan and uh, a couple of great teams in uh, in uh, Cleveland and the Boston Red Sox as well. Man, it must be it, I'm sure it was fun for White Sox fans to hear Coop, but also a little bit painful to hear him raving about this team and how excited he was. And I'll, if something sucks, I'll tell you it sucks. And we did not suck <laughs> in, in the spring. Coop was so much he, looking forward. He to had his he had the whole hundred percent energy base going today. He yeah. was he was fired up and we really appreciate it because that was really outstanding radio. Uh, that's good stuff. All right. Um, Bruce Levine is him. I'm Matt Spiegel. It is inside the clubhouse on 670 to score. Terry Francona is next. Keep it right here. 
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast he's handled a couple of chances well he made him there on a ground ball got a base hit to drove in a run there's another hit a drive down the third baseline the tying run may score He's around third, racing for the plate, the throw. He hasn't touched the plate yet, and he does. Michael Jordan has tied up the ball game with a ground double to left. And this crowd has seen what it came here for. And everybody's on their feet yelling. Oh, that sounds great. That's Harry Carey calling a Michael Jordan extra base hit. At Wrigley Field, you're listening to 670 The Score. It is inside the clubhouse. I'm Matt Spiegel, along with Bruce Levine, of course. And Bruce, our next guest, joins us on the Alpamani Ford hotline. Alpamani Ford in Melrose Park. Michael Jordan's manager, but more importantly, baseball-wise, the manager of the Boston Red Sox World Championship teams, uh, the Cleveland Indians, wonderful teams, a man who has not had a season uh, managing under 500 in 15 years, Tito. Uh, that you know, you know, just doing my homework. That's incredible, right there. You know, 15 years in a row with a with a, a, a record above 500 in Major League Baseball. Uh, you got to be, you got to have good players, but you got to be doing something right. Hey, Bruce, well, I was just going to say the first thing is you better have good players, and I've been really fortunate to be around a lot of good players. You know, if I could add, you know, I know you played that little thing about Michael hitting that double, but what was really cool was to hear Harry's voice. Okay. That's a one-in-a-lifetime call. I, I, that, that, I love that. 
Yeah, that's that's awesome. Kerry Francona joining us on Inside the Clubhouse. We've been friends for a million years, and I appreciate you uh, joining Matt and me today. Uh, let, let's start with Michael, because um, it, it wasn't just once. It was twice, actually. You did, didn't you have him at the Arizona Fall League as well? Yeah, I think, you know, they, Michael was going to play in the Fall League, and I think because I had had him all year and I kind of knew the drill, they took me out there also. Um, and so I had him for, for, for the year in Birmingham, then we had a couple weeks off, and then we went out to the Fall League. So, yeah, I had him the whole time. What uh, what when I say Michael Jordan in baseball, what is what does Tito Francona think of? I'll tell you what I really want people to know is that how much respect he had for the game and the people in the game. That was important to me, and and that's why it worked. You know, there were so many reasons why it could have gone off the rails, and it never did. And I think it always came down to the fact that he had so much respect for the game and the people in the game, that it made it be really easy to be patient with him on the field because he hadn't played. That's not, not his fault. He was doing his thing on the basketball court. But that really impressed me, and, and that's why it works so well. I, I, know, I know you've talked about learning from it, Terry, and, and I'd love to hear some more about that because you're a young manager that's way before all these 15 winning years that Bruce is pointing out. So, so what were you learning about being a manager at the time? And what did you learn from the process of managing Michael? Well, I mean, as any young double a manager, that's why you're there. You're there to learn. And, and I didn't realize it at the time because I was thrust into this, you know, this craziness of, of Michael, you know, you're just trying to survive. But when I look back how could you you couldn't be put into a better learning environment i mean you're you're talking about dealing with you know arguably one of the most high profile athletes in the history of any game you know dealing with media trying to be organized with your time because everybody's trying to get at you or him or or everybody um and and maybe the biggest thing was trying to make the 24 other players feel every bit as important as michael because people weren't asking about them Right. Hey, uh, Tito, uh, putting your scouting hat on and your, uh, your, your great experience in the game for all these many years, if you took uh, Michael Jordan back to age 25 rather than where you got him, I think at around age 31 or so, starting his baseball career, what, what, do, you, what do you think, if he put the time in, would have been the result? Well, a couple things. One, and I heard Phil Jackson say this on that on that special the other night, and I, I learned it quickly. If you tell him no, he's going to find a way to make the answer be yes. So, you know, I'm saying that going in. But I also think if he would have just been a baseball player and put his talents on the baseball field, I have no doubt he'd have found a way to get to the big leagues. I mean, he was learning how to steal bases with us and and he could do some things, you know, go left and right in the outfield. You know, he, I don't, I don't, I don't doubt he would have had a decent arm. His arm was always sore, you know, because we took infield every day, and it was just so foreign to him. But I think the biggest thing was, like I said at first, if you tell him no, he's going to find a way to make the answer be yes. So managing that crazy situation where you've got one of the most high-profile humans on the planet on, on your double-A team, 
um, and you talk about learning from it. Later on, when things get crazy, say in Boston, and you've got Manny Ramirez saying, oh, my knee hurts, and oh, or it doesn't hurt, or you got crazy situations. Did, did, did managing Michael and dealing with that circus help you in later years, Terry? I'm sure it did. I mean, again, I, it wasn't like when Manny pulled something, you know, that I would go back and think of Michael because it's totally different. Right. But I think any experience you go through, you, you, you learn from and you gain confidence, just like as a player. And and the more experiences you're given, you know, and I was fortunate because I got thrust into that. It wasn't because of who I was or what I did. It just happened to, you know, Jerry Reinsdorf owned the Bulls and the White Sox. He just happened to go to Birmingham. I just happened to be there. It was just kind of the luck of the, the draw. But when, you, when I look back on it, like I said, I couldn't have been put in a better learning experience. Bruce and I did a show the other day where they were asking us, who is the Dennis Rodman of baseball, right? And, and, I, and, and my answer was Manny, just because Rodman was a genius at rebounding, but he was in, obviously incredibly difficult to coach and manage. Is there any correlation there for Manny as, as sort of a Rodman uh, type character? I don't know. Rodman did all the dirty work. You know, like <laughs> he'd let Pippen and MJ shoot it, then he'd go get the rebound and give it back <laughs> yeah. to him. I yeah. don't know if I'd consider Manny doing all the dirty work. Um, maybe personality-wise, but uh, I think it kind of stops there. So you had uh, such a, a widespread history in the game, going back to when your dad was uh, leading the league in hitting uh, back in the early 60s and being around clubhouses. But uh, I'm going to go where you were, uh, you know, your career as a, a player playing with Pete Rose and then bringing Michael into the equation. Two of the most competitive people I've had the privilege to interview, be around, and talk to. How, how would you relate the, the, um, the competitiveness of each and uh, where, where they would fall with each other? Because we know these are two of the most competitive people that have ever been on the planet. You know, it's funny you bring that up, Bruce. Uh, I did an interview last week, I think it was on MLB, and they asked me to compare Michael, and, and the only guy I could come up with was Pete Rose, you know, as far as being competitive and, and just feeling like you're unbeatable, like you're going to figure out a way to be better than whoever you're playing against. And that was the example I gave. Yeah, and, and quite an example because Pete, I, I mean, he was, he was a, a favorite of all the people that he played with and around. I mean, he was... Uh, you know, when you when you played with him or around him, there was a, a certain energy level that came out of Pete, wasn't there? And, and you know, and, and it's a shame because yeah, it's a shame because of what happened. You know, Pete, people look at Pete, and you know, they had this one this one idea of how he was, and and again, I played with him and for him, and when we played with him in Montreal, the young guys, we thought he walked on water. I mean, he just, he was the ultimate teammate and he saw the games. It's so easy for him. It was like it was in slow motion. And, and I wish people could still remember that part of him. Cause that was the, that was who to me, Pete was. And yeah. It's, it's a perspective we don't hear on Pete very much. It's great to hear it from Terry Francona right here on inside the clubhouse on 670, the score. Um, Terry, the way that Bulls team was, collectively pushing against management along with their coach 
like, man, these guys think we're, we're done. We're going to show them that exists, right? Have you ever had that with a baseball group where you noticed, man, they're, they don't like one of the guys upstairs or they don't like the way things are going, but that's okay. Whatever it takes to bond them together. Like it's, it, it, that can be useful sometimes. You know what? I tell our guys all the time, I don't care what it is. You know, it, it, whatever motivates you, it's our responsibility to find something to be motivated about. Um, you know, and, and if it takes having a chip on your shoulder, whatever, I, I don't care. I just want them to go out and and do everything in their power to be the best team, best players they can be. Um, if it takes having a chip on your shoulder, great. Tito, uh, two summers ago, I'm sitting in your uh, office and we're talking about the White Sox and and you said, boy, these guys play us tough. And, you know, you hear managers always saying nice things about other people because it's the professional thing to do. And, you know, eventually teams will get around to being good again. But in this case, you told me last summer and you told me the summer before, watch out for the White Sox. And they, as you said, played the Cleveland Indians really tough. Your thoughts about the White Sox moving forward and being a force in the division along with you in Minnesota. Well, you know, I think last year, I think they were 11-7 and seven against us. And, and even before that, they'd always played us tough. And I think what I was telling you that day is, you know, even though at the time their record wasn't very good, but Rick Renteria always had them playing hard. And, and I think it's a lot easier to get teams to play hard when you're, when you're playing for supposedly playing for first place or playing for something. But when you're playing the string out and guys are still getting down the line, hustling, that, that showed me something. And I remember thinking, you know, when the talent catches up, they're going to be something to be – They're gonna you're going to have to look out for them. Well, you know, they went out this winter, and they got a lot of good veteran players. And, you know, some of their younger players are starting to turn in – are starting to figure it out. You know, like, hey, I don't just belong here. I can thrive here. And so, you know, it, it's going to be – it's going to be interesting to see how – all those veteran players mix in. Um, you know, obviously, from my standpoint, I hope it doesn't work great. But <laughs> but I think I think they've done a really good job. And, and, Terry, a lot of these models that are getting thrown out there by baseball people or, or news people, whether they're leaks or not, they have kind of revamped divisions. The latest has, what, 10 teams in a central, the BU and the White Sox and the Cubs and the Brewers and all these things. Would you personally be open to doing whatever, you know, baseball asked you to do um, in terms of getting some games in. If it's 50 games, if it's 60 games, if it's revamped divisions, like, are, are you okay with this being a really weird year if it needs to be? Yeah, I am, actually. I think this is the one time in our baseball life where we need to take our complaints and shove them in our back pocket and, and, and do, do what we can do. Um, I think we can look at this two ways. It can either be viewed as kind of a celebration, and which is that's what I hope, or it can almost be a PR nightmare, and I hope we stay away from that. I hope we're smart enough that we treat this with so much respect because there's people right now that are out of jobs that are really struggling. And if we can help even just a little bit um, by getting back on the field, that would be, you know, again, this would be the time – to be flexible and do whatever they say to make it work. You know, uh, we've all had too much time, uh, us who are uh, in round baseball on the periphery as reporters and people in the game itself and players to think about this. But um, 
as far as your concerns about a truncated season, a shorter season, would it would it fall mostly to your concerns about pitching and how that uh, shows itself in a uh, in a shortened season and shortened maybe playing time to get ready again? You know, Bruce, what what worries me, I think, as a manager, is always getting your guys ready. But the other thing is, if it's a shortened season, you lose the ability to maybe play yourself out of a bad streak. You know, since I've been with the Indians, we've really started out slow. And then when we catch our footing, we, we kind of hold it. Um, you know, if that happened in a short season, you might be out of it before you can kind of get your footing. So, again, it, it's, it, it'll be interesting. I, I don't really buy the, the idea that it would be a footnote or a footnoted season or an asterisk. Um, Shoot, I was part of that '81 season where the uh, Rick Monday hit the home run against the Expos, and and I remember thinking just being crushed. And when people look back at the at the Dodgers, the, you know they they don't you know they they don't think that there's a there's an asterisk next to that or anything like that. It's just you know you 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 are where you are and you're there for a reason. And whoever handles it the best is going to win. Boy, that um, th- that that message that you just shared a, a minute or two ago, Terry, about uh, people in baseball—it could be a PR nightmare if they don't put the concerns in the back pocket and don't look at it the right way. I hope that's heated. So far, it seems like it is. It seems like the, when people talk about this, whether it's management or players, like everybody's kind of—they realize how how valuable it would be. Um, to have baseball back in any way. I hope they will be flexible. Do you get the feeling from talking to people around the game that they will be? Yeah, and again, I haven't had a ton of conversations. MLB has been really good about kind of keeping us in the loop, though, and and I've been impressed with the way they've presented things. And, you know, they're doing their, their due diligence and their research on what could work, what might work, what they have to wait to see, you know, what will work. Again, I, I just, I hope that, you know, the, the, the people are really smart that are running baseball. I hope they're able to get together when it's time just because I think the game can really shine as opposed to the other way. We had Don Cooper on uh, previously on the show right before you, and he said to send his regards and also told us how uh, your career is already a Hall of Fame career. I agree on that. I know you're modest and you stay in the moment and in the time, but uh, – that's that's how people view you now. Tito, thank you so much for joining Matt and I today and sharing some of your thoughts about Michael and the baseball season. Let's hope that the next time we see each other, it's uh, six feet away in a clubhouse somewhere. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know you. I, I know, hope so. Yeah, I, I know. I know baseball players have been dying for media people to be six feet away from them for so many, so many decades. And I, I know that's the way it'll be, but it'll be, uh, it'll be a fun day to, to celebrate at that point. Tito, thanks again. Uh, Matt and I appreciate it so much. All right, Bruce. Thanks, man. See you guys. All right. Take care. You got it. Yeah. Terry Francona, the future Hall of Fame manager and uh, sharing some really great reminiscence of Michael and some of the, the baseball stuff, uh, comparing him with Pete Rose, really fun stuff. Yeah, it's interesting that Rose is where his mind went to, just as yours did. And both of them obviously liked a little action, liked a little juice on the stuff. And uh, maybe that's tied into those competitive juices, right? You got to have something going. Something. Well, there, there is, you know, I mean, we're not perfect people by, by any stretch of imagination. 
not Pete, not Michael, not you, not me, but uh, oh no, cer- certainly well you you yeah I forgot, but uh, <laughs> but the 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 correlation between the the two most competitive guys that I've ever uh, covered in my career, uh, and that's saying a lot. Uh, that was certainly there. Hey, we'll take a little bit of time out here and come back and wrap this baby up. Uh, Rosie and Grody follow us, and after that, uh, this afternoon, how does it uh, shake down, Matt? Uh, Zach Zayman and Tom Thayer after Rosie and Grody from 2 o'clock until 5 o'clock. Tomorrow morning, it's hit and run with me um, and uh, looking forward to conversations with a, with a variety of people tomorrow about baseball and about the last dance. Going to talk tomorrow morning a little bit about Jerry Krause as a baseball guy, Bruce. Um, so love to get some of your thoughts on that. Yeah, if we get I would, I would we get love, out of here too. love to hear that because Jerry much maligned and um, a lot of revisionist history going on as well. And 670, the score is where you are. It's inside the clubhouse. Keep it right here. Welcome back in on 670, the score. A couple of longtime friends of Bruce Levine saying yes in the middle of a pandemic and being on this show on a Saturday morning, Bruce. Uh, Terry Francona was great, and I still can't get over Don Cooper. Coop was like... Coop, you can can tell Coop is missing baseball because he sits down in the backyard and says, let's go. I got all the time you want. This is my (laughs) fix today. You know he's missing baseball as much as the rest of us. Yeah, and, you know, and they are all going to appreciate us being six six feet away from them (laughs) when we come back or further. You Uh know, baseball might implement the 10-foot-away rule for media people, and and that's just fine. I would take 100 feet right now uh, if we were playing baseball, but... Uh, yeah, two two really great baseball people joined us today, and uh, as you said, good friends. But uh, the thing I appreciate the most is like when when you ask a question, and I ask a question. You get you get 100% in energy from both, and that was mm-hmm. uh, that was truly enjoyable to hear about their reminiscence of uh, Michael Jordan, and certainly we're going to see more of that in the Last Dance episodes five and six tomorrow night, I believe, and then. Mm. Uh, Moving forward, I heard they're not even complete. That as of a week ago, uh, nine and ten weren't even done yet. I heard they just finished ten. Um, mm-hmm. they, like they finally got it finished. I had, it's funny, someone had sent me a link to episodes three through eight, right after one and two had aired, and it was some. They were archived on some Google Drive. But somebody had clearly pirated them and was sharing them around. And that link does not exist anymore. ESPN uh, quickly found a way to, uh, to to get those off the Internet if they were out there. So Because it's, it's rare that we have appointment viewing um, um, in this country. Although it's come back now a little bit with some of these live... You know benefits, and certainly with the last dance Sunday nights, man, we are we are parked on the couch watching that thing. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, and, it's and, been and Jerry Krause, obviously a pivotal figure in there, and uh, Mark Gonzalez wrote a lovely piece today in the Tribune about Jerry Krause as a baseball scout and some shared experiences. What do you remember about Krause, the baseball guy, Bruce Levine? Well, I mean, uh, we uh, we were very uh, close friends during his baseball return to baseball after he left uh, the Bulls while he was the general manager of the Bulls, and I covered that team, uh, there, there was no closeness with, uh, with any uh, media people. He was, uh, he was always cordial, and he was always friendly, and he always reminded me, you know, my job is to uh, take care of the Chicago Bulls and work for Mr. Jerry Reinsdorf, and you weren't going to get much out of him. But as a baseball scout, 
uh, we shared our love for the game with each other. And uh, his his ultimate goal was, you know, while he was the general manager of the Bulls, was to get back after he retired and be a consultant for both. He ended up, that's not how it worked out. He ended up being a, uh, a baseball scout for the Yankees, Mets, uh, Arizona, and the White Sox. And he was uh, very good at it. I, I just, you know, I wish there was time for me to uh, talk about some of the revisionist history and how he takes the brunt of this for breaking up a team that was clearly uh, going to have to go somewhere else just because of the the fact that you weren't going to pay Luke Longley uh, three years. You weren't going to pay uh, Steve Kerr three years. You weren't going to uh, pay um, um, Michael Jordan. Yeah, you were going to pay him for as long as he wanted to stay. But he didn't want to stay if it was a rebuild. Phil Jackson did not want to stay if it was a rebuild. So the economics and the years that you were going to have to give everybody just didn't get a, go along with the idea that they broke it up too early. You might have gotten one more championship out of it, but none of them, and I have to say this again, Matt, none of them would have taken a one-year deal. That was the way it was, and uh, this team was going to go downhill after that. That's the reality of it. The economics of it were they were paying $80 million for that team, which was an unheard of amount of money. Uh, that wasn't going to fly for the next four or five years. Yes, it would have flown for one year. Yes, you could have won one more year, but that was just not realistic. Yeah, it's it, it's interesting because Michael signed a succession of one-year deals, but he's not the one guy you're talking about. You're talking about everybody else at that point. Yeah, it's Kerr, it's Longley, it's Pippen. All their careers uh, took a turn uh, the other way after they left the Bulls. It was predictable by the Bulls. They understood it, and Phil Jackson, who they asked to come back, said he was no, not interested in a rebuild. So wow. just just a- adding some, some history that I know to the story that's been so fascinating to watch over the last few weeks. And uh, people can follow me on Twitter, MLB Bruce Levine. I write on our score website, 670score.com. Matt, look forward to seeing you next week. You too, Bruce. Tomorrow on Hit and Run at 9 o'clock, going to talk to Casey Johnson about Jerry Krause, the baseball guy, because Casey uh, did some writing along with Jerry way back when about that stuff. And Len Casper going to talk to us about a brand-new Cubs podcast he's a part of, among other things. Lots more to come as well tomorrow on Hit and Run. Rosie and Grody are next on the score from 11 until 2. And don't forget, by the way, Bulls GM Mark Eversley on with Mully and Haw on Monday morning at 8.30. Have a great weekend, everybody. But join me tomorrow morning at 9 on Hit and Run right here on 670 The Score. Thank you, Adam Stadzinski. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.